Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and this week I'm joined by Ken O'Donnell, who is head of short duration fixed income, to talk about the outlook for short duration U.S. interest rates. And as I look at the markets and think about what's happened over the first quarter, needless to say, it's it's been a pretty interesting quarter. And in particular, if we think about the Fed and look at your dollar swaps for an indication of what the market's expecting for the Fed funds rate in the future, the market seems to be pricing in two 25 basis point increases uh, in the next two years and and four hikes or 100 basis points over the next five years. And that's a, a pretty big change really over just the last couple months. Now, on one hand, I think we all understand why that's happened and, and really because of, of good news. We have progress on the vaccination front in the U.S. Uh, you see the U.S. economy reopening pretty quickly. Recently, the, the economic data has been quite supportive. And of course, we're anticipating the effect of the latest stimulus package passed by the Biden administration. So that's all clear. What's perhaps a bit confusing is that the Fed uh, doesn't necessarily seem to be on board with this outlook for interest rates. Uh, The message from the Fed seems to be that there's a clear sequencing uh, of how they plan to move on from here, that they would need to taper uh, their QE purchases before they would even begin to hike interest rates. Uh, And they wouldn't begin to taper until they see much more progress in the U.S. labor market and actual signs of inflation. So not just expectations, but they want to see inflation actually rising and getting closer to the 2% target, all of which suggests that a 50 basis point increase in two years is, is premature. And to reinforce that message, if we look at the latest dot plot that was published by the Fed, only seven out of the 18 FOMC members showed any increase uh, in Fed funds by 2023. So there seems to be an apparent disconnect, if you will, between what the market is expecting and the message that the Fed is trying to give to investors. So it's one of the questions I'm hoping you'll you'll enlighten us on, uh, Ken. But before we talk about the future, uh, let's talk about the present. Today, interest rates are still at zero. So how are short duration investors impacted by the current environment? Yeah, very good questions. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. The um, let me first say that these are these are extraordinary times. I mean, the pandemic health crisis that we're experiencing has resulted in a tremendous loss of life and, and economic hardship, impacting hundreds of millions of people around the globe. And this has clearly been a, a difficult and devastating experience for many. And in the history books, hopefully, will capture this in tremendous detail. But it's also been somewhat extraordinary on the macroeconomic side, where the trend has been equally strange, not just during the last year, but also throughout perhaps the last two decades. Uh, we've, we've clearly been in a period of secular declining interest rates um, since the 1980s. And the fact that we've now twice reached this zero lower bound that you mentioned in the US and, and actually breached this zero level in Europe and Asia is quite astounding. Uh, central banks around the globe are now experimenting with a, a quiver of non-traditional monetary policy tools, including balance sheet purchases, uh, negative interest rates, and, and yield curve management, to name a few, 
And uh, for those sort of closet Fed watchers out there, the, the dynamics of today make the Alan Greenspan days of the 1990s actually seem quite boring. And uh, so we're living in, we're rewriting history from the macroeconomic perspective as well. So what does this all mean for fixed income investors? Well, you know, this accommodative monetary policy is essentially financial repression. In an effort to stimulate the economy, the U.S. Federal Reserve has dropped interest rates to the near zero levels, as you mentioned. And at these levels, bank deposit rates, money market fund yields, uh, ultra short and short duration fixed income mutual funds offer very little, if any, return potential. In effect, borrowers are being rewarded and savers are, are being penalized. And investors commonly draw on a distinction between the near zero interest rate policy in the US and this negative interest rate policy in Europe, perhaps. And for those that like acronyms, you can use ZERP and NERP. But however, while the absolute rate of interest in the US may be positive, modestly positive, on an inflation adjusted basis, the, the level of returns is negative. You know, in industry parlance, this is referred to as the real return, as you know. And in, in, in simple terms, a, a negative real return means that your capital is not keeping pace with inflation, that the purchasing power of your savings is slowly, slowly eroding away. In this sense, savers are being penalized and being guided to perhaps riskier investments with positive real returns. Now, we can debate whether this is a negative side effect of aggressive monetary policy or whether this is an essential part of the transmission mechanism of monetary policy. But in either case, the reach for yield can be a risky endeavor. And for otherwise risk-averse investors, this is a very challenging period. Now, we all wonder if over the last couple of months, we're finally seeing the turn. You talked about this decades-long uh, fall in interest rates, and at least perhaps that's changing modestly. If we then think about the future, when do you anticipate we'll see short-term interest rates rise from these low levels? Yeah, this, this, this is the key question. You know, history can be useful in providing a bit of guidance on, mon on the monetary policy cycle. Um, during the global financial crisis back in 2008 and 9, interest rates remained low for roughly six years. And that was an extended period of time in Fed speak. Um, that period of low yields, negative real yields, was, was quite difficult for risk-averse investors. The good news is that it does not appear that the current cycle will be as lengthy. The, the global economy is responding to the pandemic uh, differently than during a typical recession. Now, to be fair, this is my first pandemic, so I don't have a lot of experience to draw on. But the data has provided some, some insight. Dur during the cycle, we experienced a very sharp contraction about a year ago, followed by a relatively steep recovery. And the last six months have arguably been more gradual, but expectations for economic growth for the next two years remain quite strong. Uh, the U.S. economy has responded favorably to uh, the combination, as you mentioned, an aggressive COVID-19 vaccination campaign and what appears to be an endless series of large fiscal stimulus packages. Throughout the health crisis, the, the Jerome Powell-led Fed has indicated that their intention to hold policy rates at current levels for an extended period of time, to use that language again. The Fed's own forecast suggests that rate hikes will not occur before 2023. So if we use that as the base case, the 2023 threshold. In my opinion, the balance of risks are tilted to actually earlier rather than later. A strong rebound in growth with a corresponding decline in unemployment 
I think would ultimately put pressure on policymakers to begin to remove crisis stimulus measures, these large-scale balance sheet purchases and, and, and ultimately zero interest rate policy sooner than forecasted. I would expect that we may begin to see a gradual shift in this Fed rhetoric by June, followed by a more formal statement perhaps in September. These shifts are often very subtle, we should note. The, they refer to as forward guidance, and they amount to simple acknowledgments that the economy is performing well, and that stimulus may not be needed for as long as previously forecasted, perhaps. This puts the Fed on schedule for um, a tapering of balance sheet purchases at year end and into early 2022, and a potential increase in policy rates by perhaps the end of 2022. At, at this point, given the data that we have, I think that these are these are fair assumptions. So, if I interpret what you've said correctly, uh, it seems you do, you seem to be siding a bit more with the market in terms of interest rates going up sooner than necessarily the Fed has said. If that turns out to be an accurate assessment, what are the risks associated with the reversal in short-term yield levels? Yeah, managing through this is, can be quite the challenge. Uh, we're starting to see some of that right now. Intermediate U.S. Treasury yields have risen from the pandemic lows. Um, perhaps looking at benchmark 10-year note yields are currently yielding around 165 basis points, 1.65%, uh, roughly a 1% increase from the lows of August 2020, not that long ago. An increase of this magnitude, a 1% increase in 10-year note yields in such a short period of time can hit fixed income investors pretty hard. The market price of 10-year U.S. Treasuries have declined by 9%, 9 points since last summer. That's especially painful when you're receiving less than 1% in annual interest. So you're locking in roughly an 8% loss. And investors should consider this mark-to-market loss that they experience not as temporary, but as a permanent one, at least for this market cycle, because it doesn't appear as though yields will be falling anytime soon. But we should note that, you know, that's a difficult message. Investors were previously compensated for this risk when interest rates were falling very quickly about a year ago. During the early stages of the pandemic, investors in longer maturity government bonds experienced outside gains, outside gains in, in mark-to-market returns, in some cases in excess of 10%. So investors are essentially returning a percentage of the excess compensation they earned about a year ago. So this holding period return concept is starting to average out a little bit. Another risk that I see that's starting to get a little bit of attention is investor rotation. Following the behavioral pattern, um, sub 1% treasury yields tended to push investors out of US treasuries, out of safe havens into other fixed income sectors, uh, such as investment grade corporate bonds and and high yield bonds, for example. Now with yields approaching 2% levels, US treasuries are looking a little more attractive and investors may rotate back into the U.S. Treasury segment and out of, say, investment-grade corporate bonds. Uh, This may create a spread-widening event as we see this rotation sort of follow a a pattern. Uh, In the corporate bond sector, we could see some spread-widening, and um, this could take some time to balance out as we see the technicals try to find find the right level. So those are two examples of of what's what's challenging during rising rate periods and trying to manage through that as a bond or fixed income investor. So it seems that your expectation is that we are going through some sort of normalization 
uh, with that outlook, then what do you suggest is the best strategy to manage through that? Yeah, managing through this transition is a key challenge. Um, markets tend to be forward-looking, so interest rates have already priced in a percentage of the expected path to normalization. This will likely continue as conditions evolve and as the data confirms market expectations. But ultimately, the U.S. Federal Reserve will need to respond and begin the normalization cycle. The pace of rate increases will likely be, as in the past, largely data dependent. So the data will guide the Fed and force action. If a more rapid approach is warranted, more rapid than what the Fed is telling us, or even more rapid than what the market is expecting, uh, the market adjustment could be quite extreme, as in perhaps 1994. I know I'm dating myself here, but, but that's really not our base case scenario, but it does, it does illustrate the, the benefits of, of having a more flexible investment strategy uh, that provides an opportunity to participate in an uncertain and involving trend. So we recommend a, a laddered maturity structure that provides a level, level of discipline to the strategy by guiding reinvestment at regular intervals. Effectively, we're trying to climb the ladder of, of, of interest rate increases periodically through time. Now, it's difficult to perfectly time markets and invest at the peak of the yield cycle. But this approach, this laddered maturity approach, ensures that your money is invested at least in the peak range. We'll probably be a little bit early with some of that investment, capture the peak, and then perhaps even be a little bit late in the cycle. But it allows you to participate in the rising yield pattern that we've experienced, that we're likely to experience and that we experienced in the past. If I can summarize then some of what Ken has shared with us, he highlighted uh, that this has not only been an extraordinary time recently because of the pandemic, but in some respects, an extraordinary time over the last several decades uh, with the fallen interest rates that we've seen, and particularly since the global financial crisis. The financial repression that's resulted thanks to central bank policies and quantitative easing. Uh, more recently, it's highlighted how it's been a quite difficult time for fixed income investors, particularly when you've seen a 100 basis point increase in 10-year treasury yields, though perhaps there is some uh, consolation in that, those losses to some degree uh, are just giving back the gains that we had last year thanks to the pandemic. Nonetheless, the outlook uh, is for continued increases in interest rates, and if anything, the higher risks that the Fed does hike sooner than they have said so far and, and perhaps closer to what the market seems to be suggesting or depending on what the data tells us uh, even sooner so what to do given the challenges ahead of us ken's recommendation is that investors look towards a laddered maturity structure to give them some discipline as they try to manage this transition to what we anticipate will be a higher interest rate environment well that's all for today if you do have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks to Ken for sharing his insights. Please join us next week when I will be speaking with Felipe Gordillo on the green bonds taxonomy. To learn what that is, please join us. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.